0: Hi guys, it's Jill. Welcome back to the Equine and Theory podcast. This week's episode we are taking a break from the scientific explanation stuff that I've been doing lately. I know you guys are probably as tired of listening to that as I am explaining it, but it's very important. So I felt the need to cover it before we move on to any other episodes because those are terms and concepts that I'm going to be um, talking about quite a bit and I would rather not have to explain them every episode so I can just like refer back, you know what I'm saying? Um, But anyway, today's episode um, is still burdened by my allergies, so I do apologize. I don't know why they won't go away. I wanted to film this about an hour ago, but then I got hiccups, so, you know, I'm struggling. But um, today's episode is actually going to be about Zoe's story. I know we're still in the like preliminary stages and I really want to get into like what I'm doing lately, but I also feel like it's really important to discuss Zoe because she's such an integral part of this whole journey. Obviously she's my hard horse and I want to talk about her, her story and how we came to be and fill you guys in on all that. So let's jump in. <laughs> the fall guy only in theaters may 3rd rated pg-13 okay where do we even begin <laughs> i have known zoe for five years and i'm gonna do my best not to make this podcast take five years i also feel like i need to sneeze right now Ha oh, i'm struggling so hard i listened to the first half of this podcast because i just edited the intro and oh my good Grammy nation i am congested <laughs> it's bad <laughs> <You> hear that <laughs> super sexy um anyway i'm gonna do my best to muddle through this even though i can't breathe through my nose at all so like (laughs) you know i'm literally the spongebob meme this is already off to a mature start um anyway focusing on the task at hand here the story of zoe so really everything kind of started back in i think 2015 2014 something like that um Zoe came into my life because of, um, Sunny, actually, my boss, the lady that I currently work for now, if you don't know, I live on a horse farm in a tiny house and I work for Sunny and we met, um, because we have, uh, the same trainer and, um, she, always had young horses that she needed to sell and she was like this one needs show experience take it to a show because beau was always lame um he had a keratoma for eight months and he had white line for like three and so it he was just always off and the last few years he was completely sound but the first few were just awful with foot problems um i just burped you're welcome i'm leaving that in oh there's another one surprise um Anyway, so Bo had some foot issues, and Sunny would always, like, give me a project horse to ride. So when I first started riding Zoe, it was because Bo was lame. And it's actually a really funny story, but also kind of a super not funny story. Um, So at the time... Sonny was like, I've got this three-year-old. She's super cool. Um, I want you to take her to an event, um, but let's take her to a hunter jumper show first. So she brought her um, from here on our farm to the farm uh, that was in Little Rock where I was riding at the time. So she trailers are down there and they actually rode her um, from the barn um, where I used to board at. It was called Salem. It's now um, like real estate development, which is super fun to the place that I like. My heart, so many memories there. It's all gone, which breaks my heart. But um, anyway, so she brings uh, Zoe to Salem, and then they actually rode alongside the road down to the farm where the Hunter Jumper farm was, which was like a mile or two. Like it was, it was a good distance. And apparently Zoe was wonderful. So um, I pull up to the show, and I see Sunny and um, the girl that was working for at the time riding these two like three-year-old young mares <laughs> down the road. And I was like, Oh my God, what is happening right now? Um, but anyway, so she handed the reins to me and said, get on her. And, um, she looked huge at the time, but, um, she was probably only like sixteen one. she's sixteen two and a half now, I think. Um, but, um, she was track fit. So she was all tucked up and leggy and just ah, little baby. So, um, so I hopped on her and warmed her up and that's when we all kind of realized that she was probably abscessing or something or had a stone bruise um because she was lame not super lame but lame and um it's I hate even talking about it because it's not a cute like oh magical story it's like I was a jerk and rode my horse while it was lame um but I just ugh, there's no excuse for that but um Anyway, it happened, and I'm not proud of it. I, none of us are, and none of us would ever do that today. I don't know what compelled us back then. I think we were all just like, we need to get this horse jumping before the show, so we just did what we did. But um, anyway, she was, she was okay. Um, we took her over X-rails, and she jumped them all wonderfully. She didn't stop at anything. And you know Hunter shows, they have, like, brush and stuff all under their jumps and she was like okay i'm not touching that (laughs) um but she jumped them which in hindsight like how stupid could you be taking a young horse to jump for the first time with a foot problem like (sighs) because so easily could have created a jumping equals pain situation there but luckily that didn't happen um anyway so that went as well as it could have um zoe was a saint and so we took her back to salem um And I couldn't ride her leading up to the event because she was lame. And, um, we were just giving her time to heal, blow the abscess, or have the stone bruise go away, whatever the problem was. And, um, we ended up going ahead and throwing her on the trailer and taking her to, uh, Holly Hill, which was an event down in Louisiana. And so we get down to Holly Hill and we have the show farrier who we love and trust, (laughs) um, take a look at her feet and he was like oh my god these are awful (laughs) and um because you know sometimes like not all track fairies are like this but sometimes they're just like kind of like nascar like okay you're good to go (laughs) and that's kind of what happened um so he really did her up well and hoof tested her and said she was good to go so um i ended up competing her and um she was good in the dressage have no idea what we got We jumped clean cross country, this young mare that has never seen a solid log or ramp or all these weird things and water and stuff, but she did it all beautifully. (laughs) So, um, actually, I don't think we had to go through the water now that I think about it. Um, but I don't know. It was, it was a really good time. She just like trotted up to everything. and was like, but (laughs) doink, I totally understand this. I was not meant to be a racehorse. Um. Funny thing about that, I forget how many times she raced. It wasn't very many, though, but she actually tied up on her last race. She was out in front, and then her muscles just, like, clenched, and she tied up, and um, she just, like, kind of fell to the back of the pack and then never would open up again. And she just, like, every time they tried to get her to run, she wouldn't. She was like, no, that hurt. I'm not doing that. So, smart girl. She said, that is not my career. So, um... That's her little racing tangent. Her race name is actually Educating Guess, which is awful. And I roast Sunny for that all the time because it should be educated, not educating, which having the word educated in there is like totally ironic. It drives me insane. I hate it. So that's why I changed her um, show name to Zenaria. But everyone tells me that's stupid. So let me know what you think, because I thought it was pretty. (laughs) But um, her name was also Edie at the time. Um, I hated that name. Edie. Sorry if your name's Edie, but, like, for Zoe, it did not fit at all. And now she's just in inequi- in unequiv... I don't know what even that word means. Good sentence. Anyway, um, she's definitely a Zoe. <laughs> um, so, anyway, um... cross country goes really well show jump went really well we had no rails no stops no nothing so we finished on our dressage score at sixth and mind you this is a starter competition so it's not like recognized or anything it was very small jumps and um we went home with a pretty little green ribbon so yeah it was it was pretty great and um then about that time a lady I don't really want to involve them in those because I am not in contact with them anymore. So um, I'm not going to use names. But I was really good friends with this girl whose aunt really liked Zoe. And they were riding with my trainer at the time. So um, the aunt will call her Anne. That is not her name, but, you know, for anonymity's sake and for my... Sanity, I need a name. Um, so Anne really likes Zoe. She wants to buy her, so she ends up um giving Sonny an offer and Sunny takes it and she buys Zoe. And um she wanted her for herself to learn to do English on and um because she was um a pretty avid Western rider, but she'd only ever been on like, you know, dead broke little quarter horses, so she didn't really know how to handle a three year old, and she was like okay, Jill, you can keep riding her until I get my skill level up and am able to work with her and Zoe is broke enough for me to really work with her. And I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) I love this horse. That's fine by me. So um, I think that was probably about the time that Bo was coming back into work after being out with, um, I think he was out with Whiteline at the time. So... Um, I had spent several months riding, um, with Anne's niece all over their farm bareback, just messing around on Zoe, having a blast with her. And then we ended up moving her back out to Salem where Bo was so that I could ride and work with her regularly. So I was riding her a lot and riding Bo a lot ended up taking them to shows and, um, was competing on both of them. And it was about this time that Anne and Sonny decided that they wanted to sort of like sponsor me or fund me to go to Young Rider, which in hindsight, not a very intelligent plan. We had a three-year-old who had all the talent in the world, but me, who's not a professional or a very like adept writer and, um, to get a horse all the way up to one star in the amount of time that we had. Cause I think I only had like a year before I aged out of being able to do the lower division. And, um, then I would have had a few more years before I aged out to do the two star division. But I was like, I don't want to do two star; it's too big. <laughs> so, um, I've always been a chicken. I mean, I love jumping high, but like to a certain point, I'm like, mm, it's kind of putting me and my horse in danger, and I'm not really all about that. And I know that's a super unpopular opinion, but like, I mm, I think jumping high is fun, but I also like there to be lots of safety <laughs> involved, because I, I love my pony. Oh, dings! Ah, shush! Um, not to say that people that jump high don't love their ponies, but um, that's obviously not true, but I just, I'm a worry ward, so let me have this. So they were both going to fund me to go to this young writer. So I started doing lots of shows and clinics on Zoe. And um, then we both or we all sort of just realized that this isn't going to happen. And so Anne took Zoe home and pulled her from Salem. And so I just had Beau. And it was about that time that I was like, okay, it's time to start looking for my upper level horse, because Bo was supposed to be my upper level horse. Um, they told us that he could probably go prelim, and we very quickly realized that that was not the case. And he was a tricky ride, because he was too difficult for a beginner, but um, didn't have the talent to go very high, like past training. So anyone who could, like, ride really well probably didn't want a horse that maxed out so soon, you know, so... Um, I had a really hard time finding a home for him, even though he was like a wonderful horse, (laughs) like nobody, like it was such a niche little, I don't even like criteria. I don't know. Um, but like, I couldn't find the right person for him. So we ended up. Selling him to um, a lady who wanted to do fox hunting with him and that ended up not working out. So she sold him to this mother in Virginia who ended up, (laughs) I think, as far as I understand, giving him to her daughter who um, I think is a little bit older than me and um sorry megan if you're listening i don't know how old you are <laughs> but um they absolutely love him and he's doing super well there so i'm very happy about that i'm glad that they love him and they say that it's his forever home so very happy about that but that tangent serves a purpose i promise um so anyway i'm starting to look for Bo to be sold and nobody's biting and that um and Anne, who owned zoe at the time asked a pretty high number for Zoe. And I was like, no, <laughs> I did all the training on that horse. I'm not going to pay for training. I did. And, um, which sounds kind of like arrogant to say, but at the same time, like I'm not going to make something and then pay for it. You know, um, I don't, is that arrogant? I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was a really high number and I was like, no, <laughs> I can get something that's already going for that um like already going experience, you know what I mean? Um, and I'm I was always very good at keeping a like quote unquote professional relationship with the horses I worked with and not letting myself get attached because I knew they weren't mine, I knew they were gonna get sold and I just wouldn't let myself like get close to them. And um but there was always something about Zoe. She always just like I don't know, I loved that little mare. Um and I still do <laughs> when I'm using past tense. Um but anyway, so I end up, um, you know, just like really scrambling, trying to get rid of Bo. And about the time that I was like, oh, you know what? I give up. I love Bo. I'm going to keep my horse. Um, and approaches me and says, you know what? I just want to give you Zoe. I think that you two are meant to be together and um, you need to have her. And I was like, oh. Well, if you're just going to give her to me, then we can drop Beau's price astronomically and find somebody, um, you know, who, like, he'll work for, and, um, so, like I said, I mean, we didn't just sell him to anyone, we wouldn't have done that, we made sure he went to a, a decent home, because we knew the lady who wanted to fox hunt him, but that didn't end up going well, um, which is unfortunate, but he ended up in a very good home, so very happy about that, it was weird. Anyway, <laughs> um... This is all so long ago, it's so weird to think about now, but um, Zoe, um, I ended up, as soon as um, Bo got on the trailer to leave and I finished crying, I hooked up the trailer and went and got Zoe, and I was like, I need my baby, and um, because I just had so many awesome memories with her. And, um, I was so excited for this new journey and I could really focus all my energy into moving up on her and making a serious go at an eventing career on her. And, um, so I go to get her and bring her home. And there was sort of a fiasco with the whole, I'm giving you a horse thing. And there was some uncertainty as to whether we were going to keep her or not, but it all ended up working out. And, um, we, um, we got Dezazu Bean home, and then I started competing her, and I ran her at a few beginner novices. I'd already done a few at this point, and um, so I got her and took her to beginner novices, moved her up to her first novice, and we were doing pretty well. And I think we did novice for like almost a year or two years, and um, we were really trying to work and get our um, dressage score to go down but she was always just so tight in her back and like would never relax. Her tail was always swishing in the canter. She'd switch leads behind. So she'd do this like kind of hop thing. And, um, you know, every vet or farrier at the show that looked at her, um, not even asking for their opinion. (laughs) It was just like, Oh, she's got a problem with her ovaries. Her feet are funny. Um, she's got this issue and this issue and this issue. And like, I was like, okay, well we'll check for that. We checked for everything and literally just could not, find an issue with her (laughs) she gets chiropractic she's had her teeth done her feet look great and like everything just like we couldn't find a reason and my hypothesis now is that the issue wasn't so much a medical issue as it was a training issue and um so (laughs) now proceeding um I just, I really struggled with her and I don't really know how to emphasize that a whole lot. The first year that I had her was really hard and I really thought that I made like the biggest mistake. I was like, why do I keep getting these difficult horses that I can't move up on and I have all these problems that I have to work through. I just want to, you know, be at the top of the sport and you know, I'm, you know, getting older and I still haven't gotten prelim yet and all my friends are like 15 and I'm over here like 17 about to be 18 sorry, still congested. And all my friends are like, that are like 15, two years younger than me are moving up and doing prelim. And I was just like, this is so frustrating. And I was just like really upset with myself and with Zoe and everything. And for a while I was like, I don't know if I should just get rid of her because this is the worst. (laughs) She was really pushing me, as you can tell. And, um, so it just, it was really, it was really tough and trying to you know, handle her. I couldn't like cuz you the problem wasn't putting like a stronger bit on her or anything. Control was never an issue. She would just get so tight and bouncy and the dressage was really our biggest issue. And um she just would never relax and have a nice pretty flowing, quote-unquote obedient, relaxed dressage frame. She just was tight and her tail was a propeller. And um You know, I think at one of the last shows I did on her, she, (laughs) at our halt, like, ex-halt salute, she, like, threw her head up, her front feet came off the ground, and she, like, whinnied super loudly and was flipping her head, and, oh, God, that was something she used to do, too. She'd flip her head, like, crazy. It was so frustrating. Um, And so it just, it was a a mess. Um, At Novice, um, we, eventually, I talked to my trainer, and I was like, look, she can do the height. I really want to move up and our dressage may not be there but it's there at home and you know we got the talent and we can do it out on the cross-country field and we can do it in the show jump arena it's just not happening in the dressage arena and at this point I don't really care about like winning it's never gonna happen for me fun fact I've never won a show (laughs) such a great writer here right I used to get hate on Instagram for that all the time like why do people like the way you ride you've never even won like (laughs) oh my heart it's not for lack of trying, but um, anyway, so I gave up on the dream of like winning and I was like, I kind of just want to move up and have fun because I'm very bored at novice because at novice, you don't have hardly any combinations on cross country or show jump. It's just like log, turn, log, turn, <laughs> ramp, turn. <laughs> and it's just, I it was so boring. Um, so at training, I got to do more technical rides and stuff like that um, and having more to do in the dressage test actually helped a little bit. Um, but we only ran training twice. So, um, I moved her up to training. We ran the two trainings and she was great. And then, um, the season ended and, um, I started my summer semester at, um, the college that I was at at the time. It's not the one I'm at now. Um, when I was back in Little Rock, I, um, I took two summer classes. It was like, I don't know, anthropology and biology. And they were like super demanding. I had so much homework and was constantly having to study. And it just was really sucking the energy out of me. And I was having a lot of saddle fit issues. My dressage saddle didn't fit her and my jump saddle didn't fit her. And that was causing a lot of problems um, in our rides, obviously. (laughs) And I was like, there's no point in even riding her if I'm just going to like, you know, piss her off. So I might as well just not. And so I would go out and hang out with her or do a hack on her or something, but like nothing really serious. And honestly, I was so kind of like disheartened at the way our rides had been going that I just kind of like was avoiding it. (laughs) And, um, so I'm like really just kind of doing school and, you know, whatever else and not really like engaging in riding. And then I, uh, Oh, I'm losing my train of thought. My brain is pittering out. It's been 20 minutes of me talking to myself. <laughs> um, blah, 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 blah. resetting, recalibrating. That's me. Sorry, this is probably super boring for everyone listening, but this is hard. <laughs> I don't know how people do this for like hours. Um, anyway, so. It was about that time over the summer that I was just kind of like struggling and not really into riding and just kind of wanted to, you know, do my own thing. I would take lessons and ride, but not really much outside of that. And every time I wanted to go on a trail ride with her or something, she was just like insane. (laughs) Like we would go on the trail ride and she would power walk all the way to wherever we were going. But when we turned around, she was just neurotic like it was awful. And um, I'm describing this now as I would have back then, not as I would now. Um, but she was just like just cantering in place and rearing up and s- every time like because I was always taught like if you're walking forward and the horse is like cantering or being bad or whatever, turn it around and walk it back the opposite direction. Well, that works. <laughs> but then when you turn back around, you've got the same problem and so nothing really worked and I I never wanted to get off of her because walking her on the ground was way worse than just riding all the rears and uh, canterings in place so you know we would walk like a good mile on a trail away from the barn and then turn around and canter in place all the way back like a walking pace but cantering like it was awful and she would be white by the end of it. And I never understood why she was so stressed and, like, just wanted to go back to the barn. Now it makes sense. Um, You think about it. Some of us, some horses are fine with it, but others are not. If it's an arena horse or a horse that's used to open fields, going in the woods for a trail is supposed to be relaxing. But for the horse, it's all this new stimulus overflow. And they're like, what? (laughs) This is insane. And uh, so it's, I mean, if you actually think about it, it's like, oh, so that's actually a lot more challenging than being in the arena where they're familiar with, um, so that, that was brought to my attention by Miss Adele, the willing equine, thanks Adele, appreciate it, (laughs) because I was a stupid little lady, I said, it's relaxing to me, why isn't it relaxing to you? (laughs) Because my horse is not me, duh, um, Anyway, so I um, ride her back, and, you know, I just, like, was, like, this is a waste of my time. I, I hate it. She hates it. Neither of us are enjoying this and sort of just kind of, sort of just kind of, yep, that's about where my brain's at right now. <laughs> um, but we decided, or I decided, that we should just, like, take a break. So I wasn't really riding a whole lot, and that was towards the end of the summer. So the last week in July... I get a phone call and, um, the barn manager or my dad calls me and he was like, you need to go get the truck, hook up the trailer and, um, you know, have it ready to go because I'll be home in like 10 minutes. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Cause instantly when you're When somebody tells you, you need to hook up the trailer right now, your immediate instinct is like, what happened to my horse or whose horse is dying? What's going on? And he was like, I don't want you to freak out. I just need you to go hook up the trailer. And I was like, you have to tell me what's happening right now. And he was like, I just got a call from the barn manager and he said that um, Zoe got cast in her stall and she's colicking and we need to take her to the vet now. And I was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to die. And so I'm like running around trying not to hyperventilate and keep myself together. And so I hook up the trailer and drive it um, or wait till my dad gets home. And then he drives it to um, the barn and we get to the barn. And actually the vet was there, luckily, just of all days for him to be there. He was there looking at another horse and we were like, okay, so this one's colicking. Can you help? And so he oiled her and palpated and did all the good things and pulled out a few dry poops which is gross. But um he was like, Yeah, she should be good. I've oiled her. She should be ready to go. Whatever. You guys can just keep an eye on her, relax. And I was like, okay. So my dad left to go do something and I hung out with her and grazed her for a while. And she was eating and she seemed to be fine. And then we um we just put her back in her stall and after like an hour and left. And then that was probably at like 1 or 2 p.m. And then at almost 9 o'clock, we get another call and um, she was trying to go down again. So we get back in the trailer and drive out there and um, we um, just decided to load her up and take her, to, um, take her to the vet. And so we drove the hour to our vet, which is in the town that I live in now. And um, we get there, and they're like, okay, well, we'll put her on IV and we'll get her lots of fluids and check her blood and make sure everything's good. So, you know, we do all that, and I'm just like in a fit all night. I was like, oh, this is so stressful. I don't want to leave because the vet was an hour away from us, and I was like, this is the worst ever. Can I sleep in the trailer? Um, but they were like she's she's fine her blood looks normal nothing is looks wrong so we'll just keep an eye on her and of course um the vet that we had seen the day prior um there are two vets in the story the one that was at the barn's is different than the one that we took um but he went out of town and the vet that we were um that we had her at was also out of town <laughs> um so it was like their barn hands were taking care of her and everything and um the vet text and assistance And so we're just like, okay. And there was like a stand-in vet, but nobody could operate in the event that she needed surgery. So, um, we get, um, the next morning we get a call and, um, they were like, you know, we're going to put her on a trailer and see if we can like bounce her loose and see if anything, if that will help. And if not, you need to come get her and take her to Oak Ridge in Oklahoma and so I'm freaking out because Oak Ridge is six hours away. I was like, what my horse that's been colicking for over 12, 18 hours is, and like has not pooped in over 18 hours. And they're supposed to poop like every 20 minutes <laughs> is like, how is she supposed to survive a six hour ride? And, um, that's about the time I got a call from Sonny, who is my boss. Now, if you've forgotten from that first half of this podcast, um, but Sonny calls me and she goes, how Zoe, um, because she bred Zoe. I think I left that detail out. Yeah. She, she bred her Zoe's mom still lives on this farm. Um, but she calls me and she goes, how Zoe? And I was like, she's still colicking. They don't know what's going on. They said her blood looks normal and they're going to put her on a trailer and drive her around see if it'll help her like knock everything loose. And Sonny goes, listen to me. <laughs> they said the same thing to me about justice. Um, this is my, in parentheses, a side voice. Um, Justice is Zoe's dad, um, his her sire. So she goes, they said the same thing to me about Justice, and he's dead. And he actually died two weeks prior to Zoe colicking. And honestly, without him passing, I don't think that Zoe would be alive. Like, I, I don't think that we would have taken it as seriously as we did and made the move because we went against the vet's advice to just, like, leave her there and keep her monitored. Um, and Sonny was like, you need to put her on a trailer and take her to the nearest surgical facility immediately. And I was like, okay, that was enough fire under the pants for me. So, um, I called my dad and I was like, I'm hooking up the trailer. I'm going to go pick up uh, my trainer and we're going to go. Cause my dad couldn't get off of work that day. So I went and got my trainer and I was like, you're coming with me <laughs> we're going to Louisiana. Um. Because we decided instead of going to the six-hour away one, we would take our chances with the three-hour away one. Because we weren't sure that she would make a six-hour drive, Um, so we drove up here, um, picked her up, and um, just took her. And we went straight down to Red River Equine, um, and that's in I think Benton, Louisiana, or Bossier. It's right next to where Holly Hill is, which was the event that we took her to Um, many times. I've been there so many times, Um, but we we took her to the hospital. And they palpated her and um, did an ultrasound and they were like, she doesn't have a lot of backup, but she has a lot of gas in her, um, I think intestines. I don't really remember. My brain was so fried that day. Um, And they were like, but the surgeon was like, I'm going to take her back to her stall and give her one last chance and see if she will, um, if she's going to try and go down again. And if she does, then I'm going to operate. And I was like, okay. Cause when we pulled up there, like we opened the trailer and she came out and she was trying to go down on the asphalt. Like she was in so much pain and like, it breaks my heart to think about that because like, like I couldn't pull her. Like he had to take her from me and like force her to walk because she was in so much pain. And, um, sure enough, they took her to the stall after the, um, After the ultrasound and she went down immediately and they were like, okay, (laughs) into the OR. So, um, we hung out and waited and, um, the surgery went really, really well. And after the fact he came out and he was like, you know, I held her colon in my hand and it, I was so worried the whole time that it was just going to rupture in my hand and then we would lose her. He was like, if you'd waited any longer, she would have died. And, um, you know, I don't know if there's a lot of truth to that, but I think that having a colon in your hand that's about to rupture, you can say things like that. (laughs) Um, so we're very lucky that she survived and, um, I just like, I don't know what would have happened if, um, her sire hadn't passed like two weeks prior, like it was crazy. And so, you know, I told Sunny and I was like, thank you so much for like forcing me to go do this. And, um, so she survived. She's an insured bean. So she's, she's covered. Um, and, uh, yeah. So she was there for a week. So me and my coach drove back up here and, um, I wanted to move into the house on this property, like immediately because I was like, I'm never leaving her ever again. So, um, I, just decided to like, cause I was going to wait until like the end of August or something. Well, no, cause I transferred to schools up here, but I was going to wait like another week or two before I moved up here. Um, but I just like, I went home and I spent the next week gathering all my stuff and moving it up here and getting my house ready so that, um, so that when I got to go pick up Zoe, I could, um, I could stay here and check on her throughout the night. So, um, Yep. Yeah, so a week goes by, and I forced my boyfriend to um make the drive with me. So we drove down, picked her up. She was very frazzled, and she lost a ton of weight being there. And um, she's just so stressed out from the whole experience. But we brought her back, and um, she was on stall rest for I think like six or I don't know, uh, six to eight weeks, something like that. Um, it was from August until my birthday. So August to September 30th. And, um, so she was, oh, that's almost uh, two months, but I don't know. She was on SARS for a really long time. And, um, yeah, so we brought her back and I stayed up here and checked on her at like 2 a.m., 4 a.m., 6 a.m. And just was like as often as I could. And, um, that's about the point, um, when I was like, you know, I have all these horses to ride out here for work, but I, I don't get to do anything with Zoe. I just go pet her in her stall, and she's kind of like, whatever, like, what are you doing, human? Go away. And she doesn't, like, really care, and I can't, like, you know, work her or play with her or do anything, because she's on stall rest. So that's about the time that I was like, well, maybe I can trick train her again. Because when Bo was off, and he was out for eight months and on stall rest for, like, six of those months, I was like... Um, I really got into trick training. At the time, I had no idea how to do it at all. But this time I was like, I'm going to be serious and be an adult about this and like figure out how to do it genuinely. So um, that's when I um, started looking into positive reinforcement. And um, I decided to, um, you know, buy a clicker, buy a treat bag and start training her that way. And so I taught her to smile first and then I started teaching her to target and follow a target and all of these things. And like, it really just helped strengthen our bond, I think, because I could still do something with her and I learned to communicate with her totally differently because of this whole experience. And, um, I was no longer like, you know, forcing her to do everything or just like, Harassing her all the time, like go faster, jump this, do that, and her stress level decreased immensely. And despite losing all of that weight, she gained it all back in more. And like, even when she was out of work all summer, she didn't put on weight (laughs) until I stopped riding her. And when her stress level decreased that much, she started putting on weight like crazy. And, um, so she's in a much, much better place. And, um, you know that was back in i guess i think i started clicker training in like august or october of 2018 so and it's april 2019 now um so it's it's been a hot minute <laughs> but um with the clicker training i just really think it helped her settle a lot and realize that i'm not going to bully her around anymore Again, no hate to negative reinforcement. That's just how I interpret what I did and how I was being to her. And not everybody is that way, but that's, that's how I was trained. And um, that's not something that I want to do anymore. Just because it was so, um, it just, it made her so unhappy and so nervous and her anxiety was just crazy all the time. And now every time I walk out into her pack, her paddock, she uh, nickers at me, and she comes up to me, and she's like, "What are we doing today?" And um, even though I shave all of her mane off, <laughs> she still is like, "Okay, let's do something." And um, so I don't know. I'm just really, really happy with where we're at, and our story has been insane, and it's been so many different things. I thought we were gonna be the next top level eventers, Boyd Martin told me that she was going to be the horse to take me to Rolex, that she was that talented. And um, I'm not sure if that was the same weekend that I ran him over or not, (laughs) but uh, it's fine. Yeah. Zoe was that horse if you forgot about that. Um, But uh, yeah, so I don't know, like she has incredible talent and I used to feel like me not wanting to go upper levels was a waste of that talent, but I don't think that, just because a horse has talent or is bred to do something um, that it has to and that you're doing it a disservice by not doing that. I think the best thing that we can do for our horses is love them and appreciate them and just like really be there for them and learn how to communicate with them and enjoy them, you know? I mean, like you don't have to do, you know, barrel racing or cutting or show jump or dressage or eventing to be a horse person. And I mean... Those are all, well, not all of them, but, like, I would like to get back to, you know, jumping someday and having fun with Zoe that way, but I'm going to do it differently than I used to, and I'm really excited for our future, and I think that it's just going to be so much better than it was because it's, it's already night and day different. I mean, I never thought that I would have a horse that I could run around in the paddock with and she would come after me and respond to me so well. And not chasing me just because I have treats, but chasing me because she understands what I'm asking. And it's it's just a whole new level of communication with her. And the way that I'm able to read her and she's able to read me is so vastly different than what it used to be where I just said, oh, she's a hot mare. or Oh, she just is like this. Or that's just who she is. She's spicy. And I'm annoyed that she's bucking and rearing and doing all the stupid stuff like maybe tomorrow will be better or um, I need to put a running martingale on her and tie her down and like it just nothing helped (laughs) and everything um, that I tried to do to quote-unquote fix her or make her act like a normal horse she just resisted and I'm so grateful that she never gave in to all of the other methods because like like I said in the intro podcast you know some of my other horses never really seemed to have an issue with it and they didn't resist like Zoe did. And Zoe was just like, no, we're not doing this. (laughs) And, um, so yeah, I don't know. She really forced me to take a look at what we were doing. And though I stumbled into positive reinforcement on accident and just wanted to do trick training after I looked into it, I was like, I really have to take a hard look at what I'm doing and I don't think I I want to ride like that anymore because Zoe doesn't want me to. And I know that sounds maybe anthropomorphic or like I'm giving her human qualities, but just the way she acted under saddle back then makes it so clear to me that that's not something that was um, mutually enjoyable. And um, that doesn't mean that, you know, Every horse ridden that way wouldn't enjoy it necessarily, but Zoe certainly didn't because a happy horse doesn't have a tight back. It's tail's not going. It's not chomping at the bit. It's ears aren't pinned. It's not bucking. It's not rearing. Um, Happy horses don't do that. And for whatever reason, that's what she was doing. Even though we ruled out pain and my saddle fit wasn't that bad, but I mean, that could have been it. And it could have been the ulcers. It could have been the stress. It could have been any number of things, but... I'm working to just really do things differently and have an open mind about training and, um, you know, just read my horse and see what the best thing is for her, what the best thing is for us, not just what's best for me and using her as a means to an end. And, um, you know, I talked about it earlier with Bo and just like needing to get rid of him and sell him because he was, you know, not going to be able to jump as high as I wanted And now I could just never imagine doing that. And, of course, I understand the mentality behind it. I totally understand the reasoning. But I just, I can never imagine getting rid of Zoe at this point. She is, she is my heart horse. She's my shoulder to cry on. And she's just the horse that has really changed everything for me. And she's been with me through all of the roughest parts of my life. And I just, I love that horse more than anything So, I don't know, I could definitely never fathom getting rid of her to move up, or to jump higher, or anything like that, and she just is, she just is my hard horse, you know, um, man, I thought Bo was too, and I used to say that, and I said that about Dragonfly, and, you know, the reality is, that's the world I was in, that horses are, you know, they teach you what they can, and then you give them to somebody else for them to teach somebody else. And I think that is all well and fine. And I think that there is a place for that for sure. But as far as it goes for me and Zoe, she is mine (laughs) and she's mine forever. And I just, I love that horse and I want to give her the best life that I can. And so, yeah, that's, that's the story of me and Zoe. I hope I didn't get too like philosophical there at the end and I don't want anyone to think that I'm shaming people for like selling your horses like I said I absolutely think there's a time and a place for that and horses absolutely you have to have you know old wise horses or even middle-aged wise horses teach younger people how to ride and how to do things Um, but I think that there is something to be said about um, committing to a horse and keeping them and sometimes the horse you buy isn't the horse that you're meant to have forever but um, I think Zoe is my meant to be horse and I I just love her with my whole heart and I can never imagine getting rid of her we've been through too much she's changed way too much for me and she means way too much to me so <laughs> she's stuck with me unfortunately um, oh my god my nose is running uncontrollably it's like that kind of running where your nose is super stopped up. And so when you like nothing happens, (laughs) it's really awesome. So it just keeps running out of your face. It's pretty, pretty great. I love it. Um, anyway, enough about my nose and snot. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's the story of Zoe and that's where we are. I, God, I could go on forever about how much I love her. She's just, she's incredible. Um, but I think it's time to wrap this podcast up. Um, this weekend, I am actually going to an Alexander Curlin clinic, which I am really excited about. Um, for those of you who don't know, Alexander Curlin is the founder of, uh, The Click That Teaches. Um, she has several books, um, and many DVDs on clicker training. She has a podcast called Equiosity and, um, she's, um, uh, like a speaker or member at clicker expo and all that good stuff. And she's really one of the first people that ever started clicker training with horses that like decided to write a book about it and like be present in that world. So, um, I am like absolutely like, so excited to go to this clinic. Um, I'm interested to see how her methods have evolved since she wrote the books because there's a lot of negative reinforcement in the books Um, but in her podcast, she talks about not using a lot of that. So I don't know. I'm really interested to see, uh, where we're at. I'm taking both Zoe and Max. So this will be really fun because they're both very different horses. So (coughs) I'm dying. I'm really out of steam. Um, but I'll be making a podcast about that. Um, hopefully after the clinic. Um, but I think I'm going to go ahead and pre-film, an episode for the Tuesday after because the clinic will be running from Friday to Monday and Monday night I'm probably not going to be able to sit down and record a whole episode so um, might be two weeks before that podcast goes up but be on the lookout for that I can't wait to talk about it at great length and um, discuss everything and who knows maybe I can talk her into um, guesting on my podcast at some point wouldn't that be awesome Um, but yeah that's That's it. I am out of breath. My mouth is dry and I am dead. So I'm going to wrap this podcast up. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to check back in next week. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode of Equine in Theory. For more of me, Zoe, and Mac in the gang, be sure to check us out on social media platforms like Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at JET EQUI Theory. That's my initials, J E T, and then E Q U I Theory. Um, my website is also jetequitheory.com for a list of resources, a glossary, a blog all about positive reinforcement created by somebody who had no idea where to look for positive reinforcement stuff it's created for people that are just starting positive reinforcement to have an all-access place of information that's easy to grasp so be sure to check that out and thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast i am gonna go blow my nose and take a zyrtec so enjoy the rest of your week